Hi, I'm Lisette Diaz. In a world so full of doubt and sin, it's so easy to lose faith. If you feel like you've lost touch with your faith and you need something to bring you back in, this is where you need to be. Let's go on a journey to reclaim your faith. Here is Faithless. Welcome everyone back to Faithless for our second episode this year. I'm very excited to be doing this with you guys today. I felt that it was important to go over different people in the Bible and really explore their lives because we think a lot of our problems are unique to us right now, but when you really look at it, these problems have been around for centuries, centuries, and we can prove it through through the different stories of the Bible. They, de- they represent different struggles that we deal with today. Maybe a little different because we have a lot more technology now and our lives look different, but in essence, they're all about the same. So we have today an episode on the life of Esther from the Old Testament. And Esther was a beautiful woman. She was such a godly and righteous and honest woman. She was just the one of the one of the few women in the Bible that you can really look at and you're like, wow, she really was pure of heart. And so Esther starts off living with her uncle in the book of Esther, and she's just a common Jewish woman in a time where, you know, being Jewish was a little bit hesitant because they were under the control of a different king. And so this uh this king had a wife who was very vain. She didn't want to listen to her husband. She was wanting her own way. And he ended up leaving his wife. And he was on the look for a different wife. So Esther was not, you know, a typical castle or palace kind of girl. She didn't really care about that stuff. She was very humble. She was very beautiful, but she was Jewish, and then the king was looking for someone who wasn't Jewish. So she didn't think much of it, but her uncle put her up to it and said, you know, if you are the wife of the king, then maybe the Jewish people stand a chance under his rule because then he'll have will have a good voice in, in the palace for the Jewish people. So he put her up for um, this, I guess you could, you could look at it even as a contest to become the, the king's or yeah, the king's wife. So he was with plenty of other women there and she was with plenty of other women there and, and he had to pick the one that he wanted to marry. And after looking at each of them and really looking to see who he could pick as a wife, he chose Esther. And the reason he chose her was because um, he, well, he had asked his advisors and her uncle was among those advisors to bring their daughters because he wanted to marry someone who was worthy. So he asked his advisors to bring forth their daughters and to try and see if, if any of them were good enough for him. So um, one of his advisors tried to fool the king because he thought his daughter was very ugly and he masked her and put lots of makeup on her and like covered her face completely and said, you know, she's too beautiful to look upon. So you can't look at her face, but, but you should marry her. So he did this to try and cheat the king because then he would kill the king and he would become the king because his daughter was the queen. So that's what happened with one of his advisors. And Esther spoke to this girl, his daughter, 
and they were speaking privately, but the king was listening in. And they were talking about what his father, what her father wanted to do um, and to overthrow the king and all these different things. And Esther told her, you know, you're a beautiful woman. He shouldn't treat you this way. You don't deserve to be treated that way. So the king is listening to this conversation. He realized how kind Esther was. And he realized that the girl really didn't want anything to do with this plan. Her father had put her up to it. So he chose Esther as his wife. And Esther was very, you know, quiet. She was very re reserved and only went into his presence when she was called to his presence, because that was the rule. If you came into the king's presence without being called, he would kill you. So, or he would have you killed. So that was a, this huge rule that nobody could break. Nobody was allowed to break it, especially his wife, because the wife was supposed to be reserved and refined and not, you know, Silent and beautiful is pretty much what they preferred. Um, definitely not like I am. <laughs> I think I'd die if I had to be that way. I, I would explode with all the things I'd want to say. <laughs> but actually, Esther was just like that. She was not the kind of woman to stay quiet when something was going on. So she even challenged the king many, many times because the king ended up really falling in love with Esther. And Esther once told him, like, would you rather have me at your feet? Or beside you as your queen because she would always sit at his feet and she was pretty much telling him like I'm your equal if we're married I'm your equal and so that was a little hard to swallow for him but he did and he really treated her as his equal and so this same man that tried to overthrow the king eventually started stirring up some more trouble and really wanted to get her uncle kicked out and so he formed this lie he he was just full of lies he would try to form different schemes and he pretty much made the king want to execute all of the jewish people in the country pretty much get rid of the jews because the jews were a plague against them and i mean it was a very intricate plan there were a lot of different little pieces in there but i'm just kind of going over the top so Esther hears about this plan from her uncle, and her uncle is Jewish. So her uncle is sitting here in the king's court and getting getting accused of all these different things that he didn't do and that his Jewish people didn't do. So the king is about to start this, um, this massacre of the Jewish people, and Esther, who was not allowed to be in the king's presence without permission, decided to be brave and go up to her husband and say, listen, you can't do this. I'm Jewish. You might not know it, but I am Jewish. She had a different name as when she was Jewish too. So she chose Esther so that she could be with the king and he wouldn't suspect anything. But she told him, hey, I'm Jewish and you're about to kill all of my people on a lie because all of the things that you've heard are not even true. And even so, the rule, the thing that you heard about, you know, us worshiping one God, you've known that. It's never been a secret and we've never hidden that. But our rules also say that the person who is in charge has been appointed by God. So we honor you as our king, but we worship our one God. And our one God expects us to listen to you as our king. But you're about to cause this massacre of our people on lies. And this guy that you've been listening to 
these are the things that he's done, this, this, and she started listing all the things, and, and the king realized, wow, this is, I've been wrong the whole time. And instead of massacring the Jewish people, he sent his lovely and very untrustworthy advisor and sent him naked, riding backwards on a donkey throughout the entire town to make a fool of him. So he, and he removed him from his office and everything, of course, but bra the bravery that Esther showed really saved her people because if she hadn't done that, it would be another one more in the books that we didn't, we don't need another massacre. We really did it at that point. You know, they had just gone through so much. And so all of these things happened. And, and really the point of Esther's story is that she was brave the whole time. She was brave enough to marry the king, a king that she thought, you know, was not a very good person because he, first of all, left his first wife and she didn't want anything to do with it. She was very humble. She didn't really want to get married. So she, she did it out of obligation, out of, you know, of obedience for her uncle and out of necessity for her people. So she took one for the team pretty much. Poor Esther. But she, the fact that she did, she ended up falling in love with the king and the king fell in love with her and he ended up respecting her. She changed his life. Not only did she change his life, she changed the lives of all of those people that were, that were under her rule now because she was the queen. So she saved her people. She saved the king and she herself found this new version of herself, this brave and very, um, great version of herself to glorify God with. Now, obviously in our day, it's not really like that. We don't have arranged marriages. We don't have marriages where, you know, uh, well, some countries still do, but in the United States, we don't, unless they're, you know, under the table, which still happens. And that's a problem that we've got to fix. So that's a topic for another podcast, not for today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, this kind of thing is not common in our lives now. So when we're looking at Esther's life, we see that she's very obedient and she is very, um, she kind of lets herself be used to save her people. A lot of us would have a problem with this nowadays because we're very about, you know, our lives. I get to do what I want with my life and nobody can tell me what to do with my life. You can't hold me down you, into this relationship where I can't, I don't want to be in. Um, you know, there's just it's not going to happen. And, and that's our culture. That's the way we are. And that's totally fine. Um, except that there's a couple things here that Esther does that kind of change the tone of things a bit. She, like I said, took one for the team. Her willingness to give up her own will really saved her people. And we have a problem with this because if it's going to affect what we want, we will not do it. So the thing that we can learn from Esther is that sometimes we need to do things that we don't really want to do for the better good. I'm not saying that you got to go into an arranged marriage or anything like that. You know, that's that was her that was her thing. That doesn't have to be your thing. But sometimes we're very selfish and we don't want to do things if they're not going to be pleasant, if they're not going to be what we want, if they're not going to be fun. And we got to stop thinking about that. We really do. Because that's a lot of reasons why some of us don't go to church, huh? We say, oh, it's not really fun. It's kind of boring. I'm wasting time. I don't really want to be there. Or I'd rather be doing this or that. Well, she had to marry a king who was known to kill his wives if they disobeyed him. She did that. 
I think the least we can do is go to church on Sunday. Um, and with this topic, it's a little difficult because a lot of people, you know, they have their own reasons for not going and, and all of that, and which is, which is, you know, it's their life. They're free to, free to choose whatever they want to do. But really think about it. You're in this faith, right? You're, you're Catholic. That means you believe in God and God's commandments say that you must have the Sabbath as a holy day. And that means you go to church on Sunday or Saturday, whichever day, because, you know, we're Catholic. We're, we got a little flexibility here. So you go to church either Saturday or Sunday. You hold one day for the Lord, one day out of your whole week. And you say, well, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of things to do. I got a job. I've got kids. I want to um, or I have school. I have to study. I have a lot of student loans to pay off, so I can't really take time off and just be doing that. But then think about it. What is your life revolving around? Is your life revolving around God or is your life revolving around all these worldly things, families included? Is your life revolving around these worldly things? Because we think that families are, you know, the one and only thing that matters in this life. But we run the risk of putting families before God. And that's not right. And I have a family and I can vouch for that. And that doesn't mean I love my family any less. That just means that I love God above all things as we're supposed to. Then my husband is second because we are one in God and then my children and then my extended family and then everything else. So these are the things that really should matter in our lives. Do we put those things first regardless of how boring, not fun they may be? It's not fun to clean a house, but we still got to get it done. But why do we clean a house? Because it benefits us, right? Same thing with going to church. You go to church on Sundays, and it might be the most boring thing on the planet for you, but it's it's getting there. One of the people that I really look up to, her name is Miss um, Iris Oshida. She's actually in Costa Rica right now. So Miss Iris, if you're listening, I love you to pieces, and I miss you tons. Well, she uh, told us once, you know, when we go to the Blessed Sacrament, you might not be getting anything. You're just kind of sitting there in silence and you're like, oh my God, when is this time going to be over? Literally, Lord, when is this going to be over? So you're sitting there in the Blessed Sacrament and you're just not getting anything. But it's like the sun rays. When you are in front of, in, like in under clouds and you're, the sun is shining through it, you might not really get much because the clouds are in front. But the rays, those UV rays still come through. And if you're not wearing any sunscreen, even though it's a cloudy day, you're going to get burned because the rays are coming through. It's the same thing when you're in a blessed sacrament or at mass. You know, you've got all these clouds in front of you, but you're still getting those rays. Those rays are still coming to hit you. So God is still coming to you. God is still there. He's still being reflected on you. And whether you feel it or not, eventually you will have God's love in your heart because you're you're there and you're being open. Now, if you block yourself off, if you put sunblock on and you say, I'm here at church, but I really hate this place. I don't really want to listen. I'd rather be on my phone. I'd rather be home. And you're not open, then I don't know what you expect to get. You won't get anything. You have to open yourself up to God. So sometimes we got to do things that we don't want to do but that are totally necessary. And for those of you that have families, I think you forget that your children will look at you and look at everything that you do and they will copy it. My husband at church yesterday, he was listening to the priest and he had his hand under his chin. And when I look at my two-year-old, 
My two-year-old is looking at the priest and he has his hand on his chin. My husband gets down on his knees and puts his head down and puts his hands together at the time of consecration. And I look over at my two-year-old and my two-year-old is sitting in his stroller with his head down and his hands together during the consecration. You can't tell me that they don't look at everything we do. They copy everything. And not just our children, other people's children. If you're at church and they, other people's kids see you doing that, see you looking at your phone, see you not paying attention, disrespecting Christ, then you're an example for them too. As they're growing, they're going to be like, oh, well, they did it, so I can do it too. We raise our families in community. Whether you have a direct part of it or not, it's a community. And parents, if you refuse your child the experience of Christ because you are too tired or you don't want to go to church, you'd rather be sleeping, you'd rather be doing this, you'd rather be doing that, well, you are taking away a moment that that child gets to be with Christ and a child's heart is pure. A child experiences Christ firsthand, no filters. Christ reveals himself to those children and you are taking that away from him because you'd rather be doing something else. You cannot take Christ away from a child. If you are a Catholic family and you say, I am Catholic, then go to church on Sundays because even though you say you'd rather be doing something else, there should be nothing more that you would rather be doing than being with God. He's your creator. He loves you. He died for you. He died for your child and you have to give that child the experience of God. By not going, you are neglecting your child that experience. And then later on in life, when they have a hard time listening to God and, and finding God and their heart wants God, but they just can't get to him, it all comes down to that moment that you decided that I would rather. I would rather be doing something else. Remember, the things that we do that cause others to sin is our fault. So let's not, let's not get there. Let's be responsible, even though it is something that is very difficult, because I know, I know it is. I know it is. I work 60 hours a week. I, I barely have time to clean my house. I don't sleep because I have an eight-month-old that doesn't let me sleep. He literally woke up five times last night, and I got like four hours of sleep. So I understand. But there is nothing more important in this world than God. And God wants the best for us. So he wants us to love our families. He wants us to raise them correctly. Do you think that God for a minute would stray you in the wrong direction? He's the good shepherd. He knows what the best thing is for us. So when you look to God as the first thing, he's going to fix your marriages. He's going to fix your children. He's going to fix everything in your life. But we just refuse to let God take control. And we want to be the ones in control. We think that we know better than everybody else, or that at least that we can figure it out. And it's really sad to see everything kind of disappear. And linking this back to Esther, that's what she did. She put God above everything else and made a sacrifice for her people so that they could continue worshiping God, so that they didn't have to be without God. That's what she did. She saved millions of people, and she saved the soul of her husband by helping him see that, you know, you have to have compassion. You have to have love. And even though I'm a woman, that doesn't mean I'm below you. Start, she started that transformation in him. And, you know, I mean, who's to say that he, he went to heaven or not? I, I can't tell you that because I'm not 
God, I can't say, but she really helped in that healing process for him, and she helped her people along the way. So I know I kind of went on this little rant about church and things that we have to do that we don't want to do, but really think about it. It is so important for us to be that example for others and to make that sacrifice for others so that they don't have to be without God. You can do this. It's so hard, but you don't have to do it alone. There's so many groups that have families in them that want people who understand. You think your kids are going to make a disturbance by crying in church? Think about Jesus when the kids went up to Jesus and the disciples tried to take them away from him. And he said, no, let the children come to me. Your kid's crying at church. Whatever. The church is alive. That's perfect. Let the kid come to church. He's crying in the temple of God. Who better to soothe him in his heart than God? And yeah, you know, sometimes toddlers throw temper tantrums that look like the Lord Almighty. I don't even know. It's just scary. I have a toddler. I know. It's okay. It's okay. People give you dirty looks and you tell them, well, you know what? Jesus said the children come to me. You have to be like a child to get to heaven. And children are children. You can't help it. Take them to the bathroom for a second. Let them cry it out. And all right, let's go. And we bring them back in. Do like I do. I bring them applesauce so that he can calm down eating his applesauce. So there are so many things that you can do. If you need support, let us know. We're here. We're here. We're listening. Go to your pastor. Go to your somebody who has the family ministry in your church and ask them for, for families that you can really go to and talk about these things together because you are not alone. You might feel like you are, but you just need to get in there and get dirty. Get your hands dirty really delve into this faith and you'll see we're all in this journey together. All right. So I would love to finish this episode by praying with you and asking you to, to join me um, as we pray for your spiritual journey in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love for us, for your sacrifices for us, You made the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice. You gave your one and only son so that he could die for our sins and we may be able to come to you after our death. I don't think I would be able to give up my son, and you did. So thank you, Lord. I also want to pray for all of those listening today and all of us who are scared of coming to you because we don't want to lose control. We ask that you give us perseverance, that you help us not be selfish so that we can give up ourselves for the greater good, Lord. We want to be yours. We just need help getting there because it is very difficult. We're only human. We're frail, but we can be strong in you, Lord. And we ask you to take us down that path, guide us down there, and give us bravery. Be brave like Esther so that we can really be with you in your glory at the end of times, Lord. And so that we can bring all of us, all of those who are watching us, those children at church, our own children, those who are lost and in need of direction, help us be an example for them to lead them to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we glorify your name. And we thank you for everything that you've given us. We know that everything that we have belongs to you. And we thank you for the things we own. We thank you for the abilities you've given us to be able to work for the things that we have. We thank you, Lord. And we ask you to bless us 
Bless all of all of us who are listening. Bless all of the families that go to church. Bless the ones who witness those families and help them find someone who can guide them to you if they're lost. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to be with you. Um, can't wait to speak to you guys next week. I'm your host, Lisette Diaz, and I pray that God blesses you and keeps you always.